random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer, still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter! What are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And joining us on the other end of the Zoom and string, we are joined with the author of, let's see, it is a whole plethora of all sorts of content, but Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics. He's also the author behind, author and artist behind Transformers versus G.I. Joe. And coming soon this year, Stan Lee's I Am Stan Lee. We are joined with Tom Scholey. Tom, welcome back. Hi, guys. It's good to be back. And I also have to add a little preface just because it'll kill me if I don't notice this for myself. But it's not Stan Lee's Stan Lee. It's just Stan Lee. I am it's Stan I. Lee. Yeah, okay. it's the. The title is a mouthful. It's I Am Stan, a graphic biography of the legendary Stan Lee. And right off the bat, how did this one come about? Because we love that Jack Kirby one, and I still visit it back from time to time. So good stuff. And I can't wait to be having something else to go back and forth to over and over again over the next few years. Yeah, it was it was a natural follow-up to uh, the Jack Kirby book. I mean, it was, you know, kind of, like a, like a no brainer. And, and the publisher, uh, 10 speed, they were interested in, in doing that, like right off the bat, like as soon as I finished the Jack Kirby book, but I was, I was like, I, I am not ready to go back into this world. You know, like I, like I had just, you know, felt like I climbed a mountain doing the Jack Kirby book. And so to sort of go back to that, that, uh, you know, same universe, it was just way too soon. Uh, and then, you know, uh, the pandemic happened, a bunch of things happened. And, and I got to work on a bunch of other projects that were kind of like, you know, palette cleansers, uh, you know, sort of more, you know, fantasy and sci-fi driven. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, I'd gotten enough of that out of my system that, you know, I, I was ready to, to work on a Stan Lee book. And it, it, you know, felt, again, it felt like the natural follow-up. It's just, I was, uh, you know, I, I wanted to kind of, you know, chill out uh, a little bit and, and, and you know, do some, you know, fun make-believe before going back into this, you know, world of, you know, like the cutthroat comic book business. Well, I have to ask, will the follow-up to the Stan Lee book be a book on Roy Thomas? May I suggest the title, A Roy in a Man's World? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, a Royal something. or Yeah, A Roy in a Man's World. That's a good one. A Roy's Life. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Roy can do that himself. You know, he's, he's, uh, you know, very, very much with us. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm sure he's got one in him. Turns out he's been working on a book about himself every single day for his entire life. It's called <laughs> Royhood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was thinking about boyhood, uh, you know, with this Stanley book, because it is, you know, in, in, you know, like around, you know, a few hundred pages, you're seeing, you know, somebody's entire life. So, uh, you know, it, it, it definitely made me think of that and just how uh, humbling it is to sort of, you know, s see somebody age that fast and, you know, uh, you know, all the ups and downs. And it's interesting because there's so much about the Stan Lee story. You know, there's a lot of fact or fiction, you know, like one of the ones that I go to is in Abraham Reisman's book, True Believer, the whole thing of Stan at his school writing Stan Lee was here. And then it turns out mm -hmm. he never wrote that. There's like little things like that. And I want to know, is that going to be like those quote unquote tall tales of Stan Lee? Will they be included in the story? Well, you know, uh, what's that, that saying, you know, print the legend or whatever. I, I mean, the, you know, a lot of those things uh, are addressed, you know, there, there are certain things you just kind of have to have in your Stan Lee book. And I, I think, um, you know, I think the tone of it, uh, of, of this book is such that, that, you know, there's room for all of that. Like I, I'm, I, I really wanted to, uh, you know, sort of embody Stan, you know, with, with this book and, and, and have the book, um, you know, feel like, 
you know, like Stan himself, like, like, like you're spending time with Stan himself in, in a similar way that I did with the Jack Kirby book. Um, you know, it was sort of tailored to, to Jack's personality and Jack's world. And so this is tailored to Stan's. And so that was a scene that I had to think long and hard about that uh, Stan Lee is God, because yeah, there's just so many uh, contradictions within it. And, you know, and Stan is, you know, in a lot of ways, sort of a, a walking contradiction in him, in himself. And, and, uh, but yeah, I, I did, you know, end up, you know, figuring out, out a way to, to make that work in, in the story. And what I love about this story, the Stan story, I saw like little bits and pieces over on your Patreon at patreon.com slash what is the uh, full URL, Tom? So we can, get I, I don't, yeah, I don't. I don't know that there's like a, a handy URL. You just have to go to Patreon and, and then search Tom Scholey and it'll come up. I got to come back on there because man, you had some really killer stuff on there, especially those Jacktober things. Like I got to, I got to give a minor aside. You partially are responsible for me drawing more and more with the Jacktober prompt. So thank you. Oh, that's awesome. Michaels is also very thankful for all the art supplies I bought as a result of you. So they love <laughs> yeah. it. But in regards to uh, over on your Patreon, I remember seeing like you posted a preview a long time ago. Like I want to say this was 2021, like of the uh, the Stan Lee book and right off the bat. And it's, you know, been solicited. So it's not like a spoiler or anything, but mm -hmm. the image of Stan at a convention and there's a man next to him telling him how to spell his name. <laughs> Woof. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a big part of of me you know of, of what made me want to do a book about stan lee that that sort of you know the the last days of his life kind of you know really made it into uh like a story worth telling like it, it uh you know just just sort of you know sort of the tragedy and, and and the sadness which i think is is you know just part of life in general that that you know it 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 never ends well you know but but with stan's it was very public and very, um, you know, it's just so different from our our image of him. You know, he sort of was this uh, symbol of like eternal youth or, or maybe eternal middle age or something. But like to sort of see him, you know, in, in such reduced circumstances. And, and yeah, that that video, uh, you know, sort of sort of, you know, made the rounds and and was, you know, re you know, it, it really, you know, changes, um, you know, the story of his life as opposed to if, if you know, uh, you know, when, when he made his own. Uh, you know, autobiography, you know, how, how different a story it is with that, that um, added coda. You just mentioned the term, by the way, eternal middle age. And all I can think of is, yes, Stan probably was born middle age, just like the rest of our <laughs> They're both middle-aged men, just right out the womb. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because just like spending all that time with Stan Lee, like making this book, um, uh, you know, not literally spending it, but, but sort of, you know, figuratively, imaginatively, you know, spending all that time with Stan, it's like, you know, that Stan the boy, you know, and, and Stan the man are, are you know, it's it's the same guy, but they, you know, they're, they're very different, um, you know, in a lot of ways. And he was just this, you know, sort of energetic kid with, you know, a wild head of hair and, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and you sort of see his, you see him sort of, you know, calm down in some ways as he ages and, and there's some... Uh, you know, forward progress, you know, two steps forward, one step back, but, um, you know, you know, and then, and then, yeah, that sort of solidly middle-aged Stan Lee, when the first, you know, couple uh, issues of, of the, the early Marvel things were coming out in, in the early sixties. Uh, and then this like Stan Lee reinvention that he kind of, um, you know, be became his, his, uh, his public face, you know, for, for the rest of his life. And it's interesting with Stan because when you look at him and everything about him, he was always a lightning rod for controversy. And even, you know, in the years since his passing, like even the concept of, hey, a Stan Lee, you know, book is coming out. There's always like some people where they're just like the rumblings of like, oh, no, it's going to be this. It's going to be that. And when Abraham Reisman came out with True Believer, I remember like I shared an interview we did with uh, Abe on our uh on our, uh, you know, from our podcast on a Facebook group. And immediately there was just, you know, derision and all other sorts of words that I probably mispronounced, but um, just, you know, that stigma about it. And 
going in with this, you know, how do you feel about, you know, the possibility of the criticism of the hardcore cult of Stan figures out there? Yeah. The, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to really see it because it just feels to me like everything gets that kind of reaction these days that there is just, there's this, um, you know, very like nourished, uh, you know, uh, internet, uh, you know, feeding frenzy or so or or monster or this sort of collective uh you know uh, beast of of sort of um you know heavy criticism of every little thing that, that that comes out from anywhere so you know i i i would kind of take it with a grain of salt i mean i, I i'm 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 like anybody you know you want to hear nice things about uh you know the work that that you put into something and you don't want to hear hear you know mean things but you know i'm, I'm able to put it in contact in context and and I've sort of had my share of it too. I, I mean, I've I've you know worked on controversial things and and sort of working on a Jack Kirby book. There's you know there's a version of that. Working on I mean probably the, the most uh, you know outraged reactions that I've had were just you know working on the Transformers. You know that's uh, you know there there there's a lot of you know a lot of that out there with that. So I mean I'm you know I'm I'm ready for for whatever happens. But I mean. Like in this case, since we have a free comic book day version of it coming out, like a, a nice, you know, juicy slice of the book will be available for free. So, you know, it, it, it'll, you know, if anybody's got any any questions about the book, you know, it's, it's you know, right there for them, for them to check out with, you know, no, uh, you know, no expense on their part. Man, remember when you were supposed to have the free comic book day version of uh, the Jack Kirby one come out and then a little thing called the pandemic happened and... The free comic book day one didn't come out until after the book was released and it was like that that's right yeah, yeah. that was that yeah yeah uh that you know that definitely could have gone better but uh this is you know this is like a second chance you know because i i get to sort of you know do you know how, how you know how how often do you get a second chance in life and and i'm i'm so grateful that you know we're we're getting to do the free comic book day thing all all over again because that was you know that was something i was really looking forward to i've i've had you know free comic book day books before and it's just it's just such an amazing thing like it, it it's it's really you know just like a huge help for the books and it's it's just so much fun to be a part of and you're the king of the free comic book day book because when a book of yours comes out through free comic book day you give content as opposed to like you know here's like 10 pages of a story enjoy it's like no you actually put a lot of hard work in to that, you know, free comic book day, quote unquote slice. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's not, you know, just, just because it's offered for free doesn't mean it should be, you know, a, a lesser than to me, it's this, you know, your free comic book day book is going to be seen by more people than, than anything you've ever done before potentially. So it, you should put your best foot forward. And, and I think all, you know, I think every publisher should approach it that way of just like, you know, if, if, you know, if you only put out one comic in a year, make it your free comic book day book, you know, put, put all your effort into this free comic book day book, because that's, you know, that's your chance to, to, to show people what you're capable of. And, you know, when, when publishers just, you know, offer sort of, you know, like a, like a coming attraction or a teaser, you know, some, or, you know, some un, unsatisfying, you know, free comic book day experience, I, I think they're, you know, just, you know, throwing away a, a great opportunity. And, for, for the Stan Lee book, we have a really, I mean, it is, you know, like a prime slice of the book. It's, it's a lot of stuff that people will be, you know, really interested in. And, you know, while you've been doing this, the research for the Stan book itself, I would imagine you've, you know, listened to and watched a lot of Stan Lee interviews, read a lot of, you know, the uh, Stan soapboxes. After a while, like, have, did you ever notice like an evolution of his, how would you say the uh the showmanship of it all yeah i mean you you like especially like like you're saying with the uh stand soapboxes you see it like th there is um you, you know it's a little more formal in the beginning there's there's some playfulness uh but it's a little more formal and then sort of you know the jokes the tone changes and um and, and you you sort of start to see the humor come in and then that humor starts to bleed into the comics themselves a little more, you know, first through, you know, like the the credits and things, and then, and then kind of, you know, in, into the series itself, uh, you know, like, um, you know, Fantastic Four number one isn't 
like a laugh riot yet, you know? And, uh, you know, it, it takes a, a little bit of time for, for those ingredients to kind of seep in like more and more. And then, uh, you know, you get more into like the mid 60s, mid to late 60s. And then you start getting those sort of like hipsterisms coming in, you know, as, as Stan's, you know, trying, you know, as, as he sort of sees this, you know, youth movement happening and things changing and, and sort of trying to trying to change with it. And, you know, uh, you know, start throwing in like the pussycats and things like that. So, so I mean, you know, you you, you do see that evolution, but it, it it's also got something in common with you know some of the things he had been doing in the decade prior to that. He, uh, you know, when he, he was doing, uh, you know, sort of, um, you know, trying to do his own version of Mad Magazine at at Marvel and or Timely or Atlas, you know, whatever it was at that particular period, and you know, it it had the same kind of thing, like a sort of Mad Magazine kind of attitude of of, uh, you know, just sort of, you know, joking about, about everything imaginable and, and, and trying to stay sort of, you know, current. And it's funny because you look at some of Stan's work, you know, you mentioned his use of dialogue, like, you know, saying pussycat and trying to be more hip. What is the biggest example of Stan failing miserably at like <laughs> terminology? Because like my favorite one is um on the podcast, Jay and Miles explain the X-Men Yabo is a term that is used by Stan and needless to say, like a car with no wheels, it went nowhere. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that's interesting. Um, like in, uh, sometimes, you know, he'll, um, you know, he sort of has his grandiose mode, you know, when he's, uh, you know, writing dialogue for Odin or something. And then sometimes the, it, there's that other mode, like the, this sort of uh, you know man on the street mode uh, that he has for the the thing, and sometimes the wires get crossed. So there's like there's like a point you, you know every now and then you know Odin will say something he'll say not for nothing, which is <laughs> kind of you know it's it's a colloquialism, but it, it just sounds real funny coming out of out of Odin. You know, not for nothing. Am I called Odin the Most High? And it's it's funny because. As we're going through, you know, we're doing a fantastic voyage over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash the Marvelists <laughs> because I'm not above a shameless plug. Anyway, on there, uh, we, you know, we'll talk about how he also will do one thing. And it always drives me crazy with at least the first 20 ish issues of the series when he will do his damnedest to give word balloons to every single character on the page. Even just somebody walking by who just looks and goes, he gives them like two sentences. It's like, why did you need to do that? Yeah. I mean, there, there are moments where, um, you know, you wish, you know, yeah, he would let things breathe a little bit, but the, some, sometimes like those moments when he gives like a little story to a background character uh, so when when that works, it really works nicely. And it's something that, you know, you didn't really see in superhero comics too much. Again, you, you'd, you'd see it maybe in, you know, like a mad, you know, comic, like, a, like, you know, like a parody or something. But but it is, it is interesting, like sometimes there's, uh, you know, com you know, storylines that are sort of completely fabricated just just in the in the dialogue phase. And that's always interesting. And, you know, when it comes to Stan's just overall workload like you know he was he was not you know he was not shy from controversy like you look at you know the whole issue he had with wally wood and his very passive aggressive uh introduction to an issue that was mostly done by wood and you know with your book will like things like that be discussed in this in the story yeah i mean that that's in there you know that's that's definitely in there stan uh you know he uh, you know, don't don't get in a war with somebody who buys ink by the barrel, you know, something like that. Like Stan had his, uh, you know, he had his outlet. And so when, when he was able, when he felt the moment was right, he would be outspoken. Uh, you know, maybe not so much like, uh, you know, the example of like the Wally Wood thing, but I'm, I'm thinking more of like, uh, you know, when the, when the, the um, you know, Wortham's, uh, you know, comics crusade, what the anti-comics crusade was going on, you know, he would, uh, you know, write these, you know, very uh, impassioned editorials 
uh, in his books and, and just, you know, kind of, you know, I mean, he was, he was fighting for his job, fighting for his life, but, you know, he, he did, you know, use that opportunity. And then of course, yeah, like, like, you know, Stan soapbox, he, 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 you know, was able to, able to use that to, to a certain extent, uh, self-consciously, but there, there were examples like throughout, throughout his, his editorial ship. I mean, if you, if you think about it, like, um, he was, you know, the sort of, you know, 10,000 hour kind of stories, you know, he was maybe the youngest editor, you know, uh, uh, of his of his era, you know, he started very young and then got to you know be an editor for just decade after decade after decade, and and just um, you know sort of steered the ship through you know every imaginable condition, so that you know by the by the time the sixties rolled around, he was he was sort of battle hardened and and you know had had sort of put in his hours, and so it was you know he was ready to like you know do his best work both as an editor and, and, and as a writer. Well, Tommy, going over back to you saying um, that it sounded like you were saying, I have to write this now. You saw Stan in decline, uh, unless you were thinking about it from way back, even before doing the Jack book and not to go back to compare the both of them, but I'm not sure which came first or just became a natural progression. You woke up one day and said, Hey, I'm going to write about, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, the way like, uh, you know, comics start, you know, for me at least, they'll they'll just sort of be a germ in, you know, it'll just be sort of like, oh yeah, maybe, you know, maybe I could do a, a Stan Lee book, maybe I could do a Jack Kirby book, or, you know, oh, I would never want to do a Stan Lee book, you know, but but even that is like a germ of like, hmm, you know, it, it's it's like a challenge to yourself. So that, the the idea of doing a Stan Lee book, you know, was just, I mean, the, the, the Jack Kirby book, the idea of, of me doing a Jack Kirby book, you know, definitely predates uh, my desire to do a Stan Lee book, but it, it it was you know it was something I'd sort of you know played with the idea of over the years, and, and um, you know, and and again, it just you know as 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 you have all these potential projects because you know there's there's a thousand different comics you could do, but there's there's only time to to do you know a small number of them, so they they all these potential ideas kind of compete with each other, and and it just um, you know, the case for making a Stan Lee book just kept getting stronger and stronger and, and stronger. And, and yeah, just that, that, um, you know, his, his, his declining years were sort of that like last piece of the puzzle. And if I can just make one more comparison between the two, what would you say time frame and or length of each of these works for you, for each of them? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, um, I, I think they're pretty much the same length, like rough, you know, in the same neighborhood, uh, in, in terms of page count. And then just, uh, I mean, uh, you know, Jack Kirby is, is a little bit older than Stan Lee, you know, like he was, he was born, you know, a few years, uh, before Stan was, but, uh, you know, he, he died, uh, in the nineties and then, and then Stan died in 2018. So it's just a much larger span of time. And, uh, you know, when you think of, you know, it's just, there's just so much to cover. And, and when you think about just how much the world has changed between the nineties and now it's almost like, like it's expanded. It's like, it's like, um, you know, there, there, there's just, there's so much more ground to cover in a Stan Lee book than a Jack Kirby book, just, just in terms of, you know, years lived and what those years are like, you know, and, and so Stan, being sort of very active in this sort of, you know, digital age gives, you know, uh, you know, there, there's, there's just, just a lot of ground to cover. Fortunately, you know, Stan Lee was like a very, you know, he was very light on his feet, you know, uh, moved very fast, very active. And I, I, I kind of tried to get some of that quality into this book too. So the, 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 um, the story moves very fast. Uh, so it, it, it kind of, you know, fits Stan perfectly, but it also, you know, definitely helps in terms of trying to tell, you know, this much, this much story in, in one book. Now, in regards to the book, you know, with it coming out, um, one thing that, you know, I also noticed was the issue at hand of Stan and, you know, his collaborators over the decades and, what I want to know is like, will it be also talking about maybe his involvement 
down the line with other projects where it was like stripperella and you know mm -hmm. all the all of the a material mm -hmm. yeah i mean all that stuff is uh you know may, maybe you know if, if you're a comics fan if you're a marvel comics fan or whatever you know maybe those kind of things aren't as important to you but i mean they are you know part of the stan lee story and 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 you know they they uh you know that you know and and they're they're part of it yeah they're 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 part of it they're they're maybe not like if you're a stanley super fan maybe you, you you know maybe you came uh uh to his work through like spider-man or something but all that other stuff it's all part of his life those projects had had you know s some sort of meaning to him throughout his life and and they also sort of uh you know they they, they kind of tell a story too about you know about stan where he was you know, at that point in his life, where the world was, where the industry, you know, the various industries that he worked in, where they were. So yeah, it's all, you know, all, all that stuff is, is important. And, you know, when uh, the solicitations for this book were coming out, I remember, because I, you know, I, I'm an active member of the uh, Cartoonist Cafe Bringside Seats group, and someone mm -hmm. had made a comment to the effect of, uh, how I don't know how this will be, if this will be like, you know, a hit piece or whatever. And then I remember immediately uh, somebody replied back with, yeah, whenever the boys uh, trash on Stan, Tom is usually the one to come in for the defense. So <laughs> in all honesty, I have nothing but the highest of high hopes for this book. And I know I know what I'm getting into and I'm really excited to be able to see this, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm incapable of making a boring comic, you know, like this. This is a really good read, a really exciting read. And yes, yeah, Stan Lee is a compelling, uh, interesting person, and there's just so much there. And 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 there is, you know, you know, with all his controversies and whatnot, there there's a lot to love there too. Like you know, you he's he's and and you know, I've met him, and he is, you know, he's an extremely likable person, and and you know, he, he's a fellow traveler. You know, it's like, uh, you know, as the years go on and on, I kind of feel more of like just like this sort of, you know, just kinship with, you know, just, just, you know, humanity in general. And so, you know, whatever, you know, whatever, uh, you know, differences or whatever controversies, you know, may have stirred up in his lifetime, you know, we just, we just have so much more in common uh, with each other than, than, than we don't. And he was a real ambassador of the medium of comics. And it's, you, you couldn't find anybody better than him with that. Like he always still pushed forward. And I like to think, you know, in you know 2023 as we're seeing things going on over at the distinguished competition involving james yeah. where he's like heavily pushing hey you should actually read the stuff that the stuff that you're seeing on the big screen and buying a big popcorn for this is where it comes from you should support these guys and he's not just you know saying hey you should read popular batman book a he's also saying hey you should check out paul kupperberg's x or not x man i was gonna say you know kupperberg's uh check uh checkmate and stuff like that and just pulling out deep cuts like even you know creature commandos i like to think that if stan was still around and seeing you know what james is doing at dc he would be saying hey true believers you should be reading oh i don't know jonathan hickman's x-men why not you know he'd be doing stuff like that that, that was a pretty good stan impersonation by the way <laughs> as a fellow stan impersonator that was that was a pretty good one um yeah he i mean there was a turning point in his career. Like he very deliberately, Stan Lee made a very deliberate decision that he was going to invest his, his time and his energy and his efforts more and more into this, you know, like you said, ambassadorship of comics. And, you know, there, there were, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, common sense, you know, reasons for it made, made perfect sense to have sort of like an industry booster and, and for their, product in particular and his product and and then also you know it was gratifying you know to to his his ego and his sort of uh, showmanship and his desire to you know uh you know shine that that you know it, it all it, it was just sort of a perfect a perfect storm and and he committed himself to that and, and became you know less and less invested in the day-to-day -day, uh you know writing and the day-to-day -day running of Marvel and more and more into this ambassador and sort of uh, and and that you know that worked out you know really well for him. It it really um, 
you know, and, 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 you know, he was able to, to really, you know, turn that into something in a way that I, you know, if, if he hadn't made that concerted effort, yeah, I don't think, I don't think there was anybody else sort of, you know, waiting in the wings to, to, you know, embrace that role, you know, at, at least for, for a few decades. Tom, with this book, uh, we're a few months out from it. Do you have an actual, not only month, but maybe an actual release date? And as a follow-up, can we... This show is brought to you by our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash themarvelists. And on the $3 tier, you'll get access to episodes early and ad-free. The $5 tier gets you our two bonus shows. One, Fantastic Voyage where we dissect and just talk about the 102 issues, one by one, although if it's a storyline more than one at a time, of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's amazing, incredible, spectacular, invincible, and fantastic run of the Fantastic Four, the world's greatest comic magazine. And two, you haven't read that? A show dedicated to the comic books that I haven't read yet. Some Marvel, some DC, all fun. And on the $8 tier, Pick a topic of your choosing, not a topping of your choice. Or perhaps you can be a guest on The Marvelists. Above all else, we thank you for your continued support. I don't know, expect to see a, a signing tour, whether it be at comic book conventions or bookstores? Yeah, the, I mean, the, I, I, I'm bad with dates, but whatever date-free comic book day is, that, you know, in sometime in May, it's usually like um, uh, Mother's Day weekend. Uh, you know, it, uh, so it's, you know, so the, the free comic book day version, the, the excerpt will be available, you know, then, you know, in May. And then the book itself, it's, it's a September 2023 release, but um, they're going to, you know, premiere it at Comic-Con in San Diego, which I think is like the month before, I think it's in August. So, so yeah, it, th those are, you know, that's, that's where the dates line up. And, um, you know, there's there's uh, a, a pre-order page on the you know Penguin Random House website that that can you know point you in different directions. You know whether you want to you know get it through your comic book store, get it through you know like a local retailer or whatever. But but you know can can sort of point you in the right direction to to pre-order the book. Uh, and then as far as the tour, I haven't I haven't you know uh, set up any date yet, like any kind of like okay, here's the tour, but. I mean, that that was the plan with the Jack Kirby book was, uh, you know, to, to sort of, you know, do do sort of a book tour and, and do signings and things. Uh, so I, I assume that's that's going to be the case here. But but, you know, so far, I, I like I, I haven't made any any uh, moves towards that. And, and uh, I haven't heard anything from the publisher, but I, but I, I assume there's going to be something. For the love of God, Tom, please do New York Comic Con so I can see you at least once. Please, please. Uh, yeah, please. I, I've almost done New York Comic Con a bunch of times, and and I I would have done it with the Jack Kirby book. So I'd I'd like to do it someday. You know, it's it it seems pretty cool, and it's it's not that far from Pittsburgh. It's a train ride. I would also recommend Terrificon, Connecticut's only Terrific Comic Con, located at lovely Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, Connecticut, from July 28th through the 30th. Mitch Halleck's Terrificon, Connecticut's only Terrific Comic Con. Yeah, it's it's been a really long time since I've done uh, any kind of you know comic conventions in general. So so I'm I'm you know I'm you know you do get convention fatigue sometimes. You know like sometimes there's there's been times where I've done a bunch of them and just been sort of exhausted. But but I'm definitely ready for it. And and at the very least, I'll I'll, I'll be signing somewhere for uh, for free comic book day. If if not, uh, you know at, at the very least at, at you know like a local Pittsburgh shop. But but you know, most likely someplace else. Well, if you are doing conventions, may I recommend terrific. No, <laughs> but I do. <laughs> and then Peter went into rewind. Mode. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, stuck in a loop. That's, that's what I, that's what I deal with. Just like the, every episode imitation of Stanley. So he's a work in progress. Surprise. You didn't expect a Stanley impression on the Stanley central <laughs> episode. True believer. Enough said. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like, like, um, you know, a Stan Lee impersonation is like one of the first impersonations I ever learned because, you know, like watching, you know, Spider-Man and his amazing friends or, uh, you know, the Incredible Hulk cartoon, you know, and, and you know, greetings, true believers. This is your old pal, Stan Lee, you know, like that, you know, that was, that was, you know, my introduction to the the idea that like, 
you know, somebody that, that there are human beings behind these stories. Well, I guess it could have been either that or if your parents are watching some game shows and you try to imitate that, too, it could have gone either way. I like yeah, that. he he was on uh, the thick of the night, uh, Alan Thick's short lived talk show. And I, I don't remember seeing that. I, I remember having seen uh, an episode or two of that show, but I don't I don't remember Stan's appearance on there. Oh, man, I'm going to look that up now. I need Tom to see if that's Shelley, on YouTube. Come on down. You're the next <laughs> Price is right. Thick of the night, Stan Lee. Oh, man, I need to see if I can find that on the YouTube machine. But would you also consider if it presented itself? And, of course, the time schedule works doing a, a whatever bookstores are still around and, and you know, not folding up and so on. Because, all right, it wouldn't be maybe as much of a draw, perhaps, but somewhat significant, I think, in a bookstore versus a con. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, again, like, I'm, I'm just going by the plan for the Jack Kirby book. And, and you know bookstores you know all all this stuff was was part of the plan and so uh, i'm assuming we're going to do some version of that this time around too uh unless you know i don't know maybe maybe the the whole uh you know concept of a book tour has has significantly changed uh since then the way you know so many things have and what about the idea i mean i'm going back to it again between the two books would you have both of them available ooh Oh, that, yeah, that's another. I'm glad you brought that up because they are, uh, you know, the, the same time that the Stan Lee book is coming out, they're uh, releasing the soft cover edition of uh, Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics. So you can sort of you know, have those volumes side by side on your shelf with fantastic foreground design in, the, in between. <laughs> Will uh, the Kirby book have any supplemental material since it's going to be released in paperback or is it just going to be the same as before? I don't know. I, I Yeah, I don't know. Because I have no problem double dipping on that one. Because, man, sure, yeah. hell of a book. Hell of a oh, book. Thanks. By the way, I found the uh, Stan Lee Thick of the Night from 1984. It's a 10-minute and 16-second long interview. So <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 a good one. It's pretty lively. And, uh, you know, th there's there's a little panel there. And they kind of get their jabs in, you know, making fun of comics here and that, you know somewhat good-natured you know uh jabs but still you know coming from the the position that that you know uh a comics you know how can you seriously mention comic books you know it, it's got to be you know just something ridiculous and stupid and and stan again does does a really good job as as comics ambassador and how funny is it though that this interview is done in 1984 two years before the whole industry would you know go grim dark slash it is a now serious medium with uh, Watchmen, Dark Knight Returns, and all that stuff. Yes, I mean Stan. You know, Stan did his part. I mean, the the, the Marvel stuff, you know, of the sixties. What you know did did kind of inch us, you know, closer uh, to it. And and there is the one. Um, there is I forget the number. I'm so bad with like no issue numbers. But there's you know Spider Man No More, the the uh, Amazing <laughs> Spider Man issue where he throws away his costume. And I've I've made the argument half jokingly, but but still there 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 is some seriousness to it that it it was a precursor to Dark Knight Returns, and that uh, you know Frank Miller most definitely read it and and probably had it you know top of mind when when he was he was crafting Dark Knight Returns. And it, it's funny too because like as somebody who's gone through his uh, Spider Man read through of like I'm up to now. I think post-maximum carnage getting on the road to the club. <laughs> but by the way, woof. The only good thing right now is uh, reading and seeing the uh, Mark Bagley art and the uh, Sabu Sama art. Otherwise it's just like, can we end this wacky ride? But um, I, yeah, Sabu Sama's Spider-Man art. I mean, it's, it, it's just phenomenal. You know, that, that era, but I mean, yeah, Sabu Sama is, you know, he, for me, he's he's moved higher and higher, you know, to to the top of the list of you know great Marvel artists. He, he, you know, his his old his brother gets uh, you know more of the the attention, but but Sal is is just phenomenal. It's it's funny, and I was I was going to go into a point about you know just that era of the '60s stuff, but I will say like it's it's fun watching the newfound appreciation of you know creators like Sal Buscema and like on our show like. Sal was one of our dream gets, at least for me. Like I've wanted mm -hmm. to get him on the show and then, you know, getting into touch with uh, other people that close to him. I was informed he's retired from both interviews and mostly work. So I'm like, 
man, I wish I had, you know, pulled the trigger like a few months, like a few years earlier, but still like, I'm happy he's enjoying retirement, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, com comics creators deserve a retirement too. I mean, you know, I, for, for, you know, for that generation, there probably were moments where they thought, you know, am I going to have to be doing this, you know, uh, every, every last day of my life. And so, yeah, it is nice. Although, I mean, that is one of the things that kind of appealed to me about comics when I first started doing comics was that, you know, it's not, it's not like baseball or, or football or something. It's like, you, you can do this uh, really like as long as, as you would like to do it. I, I, I like that aspect of it, you know, thinking of, of you know, somebody like, you know, like Jack Kirby or, or, or like Will Eisner. I mean, look at Neil Adams, like the output of his yeah. work all the way up to the end. And it was still mm -hmm. super solid. And like, it's funny because I remember I went to uh, his final convention appearance and it was at his old high school. So it was uh, this high school art school in New York city. And I remember like looking at some of the stuff he had and like, this was February, 2020. And his son, Josh Adams jokingly said, we were the largest attended comic convention of 2020. And so um, <laughs> he, <laughs> so we go to this and I look at his table of all this different stuff. And I remember, uh, my ex at the time, she, you know, I, she wanted a piece of his art, but she's like, I don't know if I want to spend the money on a print. So I ended up splurging, ended up getting, you know, a print for her. And it was Grogu from star Wars. And, you know, yeah. just like he was still looking into all the trends, what was popular. And it's, that's the, the important thing about these creators. They're always trying to find what is the thing you can, you know, tap into and everything. And that's what Stan did. And, you know, tying it back over to the main topic at hand, Stan would always find ways, Hey, the kids love this. Let's find a way to do this. When he was working on, for example, the, uh, just imagine Stan Lee creating. And it's like, he was doing all these different things. He did the, just imagine Stan Lee creating Batman. And there was a professional wrestling subplot. And mind you, as a pro wrestling fan, I'm like, that is not at all what pro wrestling's like. But he was like, hey, they like the Smackdowns and the Raws and the Nitros. Let's talk about that. And he incorporated, you know, prevalent. Yeah, I mean, that that was that was a lesson he learned, you know, back, you know, back in the 60s. And, um, you know, from the perspective, like, I can imagine what the world must have looked like from his perspective, because he, you know, he he lived for such a long time, uh, you know, was was very sharp and was, you know, still involved in varying degrees. Um, and from that perspective, he must have seen like all these cycles coming because he he was there, you know, at the height of of comics in the 40s. He was there when it crashes. He was he was, you know, there for the comeback. He was there, you know, for more crashes, more comebacks, more crashes. And and the same thing with like wrestling, you know, he's sort of seen wrestling come and go, come, you know, go, go from, you know, heights, heights to lows. And, you know, he, you know, uh, Amazing Fantasy number 15, the first Spider-Man story, you know, wrestling is a big part of it. And so, you know, by the time he's talking about, you know, Nitro and TNT, he's he's seen a couple, you know, he's seen the the, um, you know, 80s, you know, Hulk Hogan, uh, you know, uh, WrestleMania era. He's seen a lot of, you know, he's seen things come and go. So it's like, okay, we're doing this again. Imagine I've, I've done, I've been here before. Imagine Stan seeing 2002 WWE. You're right, true believers. Hulk still rules. <laughs> the return but, of the Hulk. It, it's just so, and in a lot of ways, Stan is kind of the Hulk Hogan of, you know, the comic book industry. He's the most recognizable face. Like if you put a picture of him out there and say, who is this? You'll get an immediate reaction of Stan Lee nine times out of 10, or you'll get, you know, he's the funny guy in the Marvel movies that makes the cameos where he's like, Hey, bye. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of, um, it's, it's tougher to have this argument now, but there was a time when, you know, people would make the argument of, you know, who's more famous, Spider-Man or Stan Lee. And, and certain, you know, the obvious answer is, is Spider-Man, but it's like, you can make a case for Stan Lee, like, you know, and that's, that's a pretty amazing uh, achievement, you know? Good pun with the uh, amazing, see, by the way. You did there. Yeah. <laughs> but um, in regards to that whole element though, of what he does and, you know, that imagery of the Spider-Man character, how, you know, Spider-Man is up there 
as a very recognizable image, just like the three circles making a Mickey Mouse. Like you take that, that's you show that to somebody, they'll know what that is, especially in the last, you know, 10, 15 years with the, you know, the MCU util, uh, utilization. Yeah, I think anytime, like it must be so astounding anytime somebody, you know, sees something become iconic like that, because I, I'm I'm sure like, you know, just, you know, Stan was like a huge Disney fan, you know, huge, you know, Mickey Mouse and all, all that kind of stuff. And so I'm sure it was like the furthest thing from his mind that he'd be, you know, part of something that was that was in that same league. But it, it does just happen. It's interesting because, yeah, you talk about those three circles. Usually these things that are very recognizable are incredibly simple. So, you know, the three circles of Mickey Mouse. But then the Spider-Man mask is the furthest thing from that. It's it's, you know, the, the it's, you know, like the, the trademark of of Marvel Comics. But it's like. It's uh, a lot of lines there, like, you know, only only Steve Ditko, you know, could uh, come with an, come up with an icon that's, you know, made up of, you know, like millions of lines. It's kind of funny. Jim Salakrup actually taught me how to draw Spider-Man, you know, with the little uh, the webbings on the mouth. I'm like, oh, so that's how you do it. And that's the end of that story. But um, in, <laughs> in regards to, uh, you know, the the familiarization, I do say also like. It, it is a very complicated looking design, but it works. And, you know, a lot of these creators nowadays, like you look at Todd McFarlane, Todd has been like trying for the last, you know, 30 years to get Spawn back onto the big screen. You know, he realized 97 was a, fail a massive failure, but, um, you know, trying to bring it back. But also like there is a little sense of apprehension where he's just like, you know what, I'm going to stick with what really got me going like the dude's now doing things where he's wearing a venom hat and it's it's not subtle with the hint that maybe he might be doing something again you know but he's mm -hmm. also realizing hey people love this and i can't deny it yeah it's uh like it must be you know really interesting to to, to somebody like like mcfarland where it's like it seems like every imaginable comic book character is getting a movie so it's like you know why why can't spawn get another bite of the apple you know and i'm i'm a spawn fanboy you know i've read even like the the beyond craptastic issues where al simmons is no longer spawn and it's some blonde guy and it's like Bleh. but you know i love the character and i do feel like it could work. And like, you know, whenever there's a news article, like every two months when Todd is doing his interview saying, hey, bud, we're going to do a Spawn movie. And it's like, OK, cool. And then you'll look in the comments and people go, I want to see a new Spawn movie or you know, it's like the same repeated lines. And it's like, yeah, there are these people that love this character, but it's like. How how long is it going to be until they're all just tired of like waiting? Yeah, I mean, it's, again, it seems like a no brainer to me, but. I guess it's like as time goes on, you know, and, and as, you know, the DC movies have struggled, it's kind of, you know, become almost like a conventional wisdom of like, you know, you know, it, it, the only way to make a superhero movie work is it has to be a Marvel character. So I don't know, uh, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, if, if Sony and, and Marvel can, and, you know, Disney can come up with a way of making Spider-Man movies together and have Spider-Man and the Avengers, Maybe, maybe maybe Todd can you know come up with some kind of partnership with Marvel to get get Spawn in there somehow. I don't know. I feel like that would be the ultimate. Like he's shaking his hands with the devil. He's like, "Well, bud, I can't believe I'm doing this." <laughs> Stranger things have happened. You know, mm -hmm. like like those those old uh, those old battles are so far in the rearview mirror. I mean, probably you know mo most most of your listeners were probably not even alive you know when you know or or, or maybe were babies when, when that stuff was going on and it's so wild now to see like so many of these characters also deemed as quote-unquote nostalgia and it's like it's such a weird feeling to see like i remember when spawn first came out and it's like that's a retro character now and it's like what yeah yeah 90s nostalgia was was a tough pill to swallow when it started, you know, becoming a thing, maybe like 15, 20 years ago. But yeah, now, I mean, you know, you know, uh, you know, try, try your hand at 2010s 
nostalgia you know well as of right now you know as of this recording on february 23rd they just announced this week that the ultimate uh in quote-unquote ultimate invasion is going to be happening and it's going to be jonathan hickman teaming up with brian hitch and now we have nostalgia for like the 2000s ultimate line and it's like that's deemed quote-unquote nostalgia now and it's Mm -hmm. it's so weird but it's it is the 20-year rule yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it makes it makes it doesn't it doesn't feel right, but it, it the math works out. Yeah. And I would say, though, nostalgia is is a hell of a thing. And I want to, you know, quickly segue over into this, but Total Recall Show, you have that show over on YouTube and tell the audience about that show. Yeah, it's um, it, it's a show I, I do with my friend Matt Zioli. And uh, yeah, it's it, it's just, you know, kind of just general nostalgia. We, we started it during the pandemic, just just as, as something kind of fun, like a fun project and just sort of talking about the kind of stuff we're into. So it's it's all over the map. There's 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 some comics stuff here and there, but it's, you know, like old TV shows, movies. Uh, we, we you know, one thing we, we like doing from time to time is like getting like old scripts, like first draft scripts. Like we had like the the, you know, early draft script of of Sam Ham's Batman you know, and, and, and Batman Returns and just sort of like, you know, reading, reading that stuff and like talking about it. And, and yeah, um, you know, it's yeah, music, just, just any, any, anything we're kind of vibing on. Re- recently, we started doing some board games, like playing some board games on the show with a little, you know, picture in picture going. And it's funny, you mentioned about the uh, scripts. Have you considered doing a uh, episode about the Jim Cam or James Cameron uh, Spider-Man? Oh yeah, I mean, we, we did do one where we talked about it. It's it's um like it's a scriptment, you know. So so you know, it, it, it. I wish there was, you know. So far, I haven't found like a you know sort of meatier thing uh, than just the scriptment. So it's 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 a, a quick read, but we we did do it do an episode about it, and it is interesting. It is interesting comparing, you know, that and and what came to be, and with a lot of these like early drafts. That they talk about like oh we had to scrap that draft and we you know completely started from scratch you see so much connective tissue in there so i don't know if it's like you know like a legal thing or or a business thing or whatever but so many of them like like that that scriptment has uh the jim cameron one has organic web shooters like he was really trying to reinvent spider-man like like probably much more than he needed to but but just the idea of like okay how do i make spider-man into like a current you know 80s or 90s movie you know this this old comic from the 60s but but as it turns out when uh, sam raimi did it it's like you actually don't have to change very much uh you know to, to make you know that that you can you can just kind of do a faithful adaptation and 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 it'll work but the organic web sh- shooters were in there and it was the same we were looking at like some of the um uh, the early um, unused drafts for uh, the the Star Wars sequel series, and and again, you'd see the same thing where it would be like, oh, there's some stuff in this, you know, draft that they threw in the trash that kind of you know ends up showing up in the finished product. So you know, it's not as they're they're not as scrapped as as you know they they say they are. And it's funny because like you'll see also in a lot of the products that come out now elements of previous stuff and you know like stuff that like with star wars you look at you know the uh force awakens and how there's a scene and it literally feels like a scene off of the uh, novel star wars splinter of the mind's eye and Mm -hmm. they'll find ways to sort you know use as much of the material also just like literally for the fan and the audience going you guys i recognize that it's like you know i love that sense of it's throwing a bone to the the hardcores. Yeah, I I, I saw that in um, Ant Man and Wasp: Quantumania. There were a lot of things where it's like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, uh, it's um, maybe less than a second long, but it's like, okay, I caught it, you know, like I, I got and um, and and Black Adam was like that too. Like Black Adam, uh, uh, a lot of the enjoyment I got from that was just seeing some like. Uh, you know, almost like somebody wrote a made a movie to send me a personal message, you know, where it's like, oh, yeah, I, I know that character. I didn't think anybody else did. But if you're going to do a Black Adam movie, I, I guess you got to have you know, I guess you got to have Sabak in it. It's so funny, though, also to see 
things that, you know, might not quote unquote work in the finalized product of a modern interpretation, but seeing like a reference to something from the old iterations in the new one, like in the first Shazam movie, yeah. you literally see talking Tawny as a doll mm -hmm. in the store. And it's like, it's a neat little Easter egg for the audience. Yeah. Um, uh, Captain America Winter Soldier was maybe like the the biggest example of that, where it's like there were like just a, I mean, that was like a super long movie to begin with, but there were so many little, you know, quick little, you know, uh, Arnim Zola, you know, just all kinds of things where it's like, oh, yeah, this the, 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 there's two movies going on here. There's, uh, you know, the movie that that, you know, just sort of the general public are, are watching. And then there's the movie that like the, the super fans are watching and, and it's two very different experiences. Now, before we wrap this episode up, you mentioned that you saw Quantumania. And I have to ask, as a diehard Kirby super fan, how did it feel seeing the version, the iteration, all that good stuff of MODOK on the big screen? Yeah, Maybe it's interesting. Uh, we, we are going to review Quantumania, uh, you know, next week for, for the Total Recall show. But yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I don't mind, you know, spilling the beans a little bit. I mean, you know, spoiler alert and all that kind of stuff. But no, I mean, Modoc, Modoc is a character I have very strong feelings about. It's, you know, it's a Kirby, it's a Kirby character. Uh, one of his, his greats, one of his great designs. And it's, you know, you look at Kirby's Modoc and it is, you know, just very, very compelling uh, character, you know, one of a kind. And, 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 you know, Arnim Zola, you know, which, which he did, you know, like 10 years later is kind of, like a companion piece to it. I, I love that character too. But uh, yeah, I mean, in, in the movie, uh, you know, they, they did what they wanted to do with the character. Uh, there, there was some pathos, but it was mostly, you know, it was mostly a goof. And so, yeah, I felt like the design could have been better. Like, I think they were deliberately going for a bad design. I think they were trying to make him like, you know, the annoying orange or, or thumb wars or something. And, and they succeeded in that way. But yeah, like, I I, I want to see a uh, you, you know it, it it sort of emphasized the ridiculousness of the character, but uh, it, I I thought it was very uh, you know sort of you know just just not not very fun to look at. Where you know the the Kirby Modoc is very fun to look at, and and it would just be a matter of adjusting proportions and and so some things like that. But but I'd like to see the the sort of you know the the full out Jack Kirby because uh, because Jack Kirby I mean he would throw these things out and. You know, he understands that they're goofy, but he would really try to sell them, really try to sell the menace. Uh, like, it, like if you read those first, you know, Tales of Suspense, Captain America stories, where um, uh, Modoc gets introduced, he he sells the menace and 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 the the, the terrifying nature of of Modoc, and uh, you know that that takes real, uh, you know that that takes a special kind of uh, creator to do that, and 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 so. You know, I, I I don't think they I don't think they lived up to that in the movie. So before we go, I also want to point out you're literally the only guest we have ever had that could manage to find a way to reference both Thick of the Night and Thumb Wars. So we salute you for that. <laughs> Two thumb up. Yeah. I, I I mean I'm the right guy for the job. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it's the pay that's the issue. The you just remind me too about the character that Jack created. Wasn't there some similar, and I can't think of the character name, in Captain Victory that was like this? Uh, yeah, he was the Egghead. Thank you. Was his the Egghead? Yeah, um, yeah. So that that was a a thing, and and you know Kirby had done characters like that, you know, previously, to, like like he had done you know sort of horror characters in the fifties. That would be an interesting little uh journey to go on to sort of you know chart the the trajectory of that that sort of um that that uh you know kirby archetype that that uh you know egghead and and uh and modok and arnim zola all fit into all right so tom before we go how can people get a hold of you on them thar social medias uh you can follow me on twitter at tom Sholey. uh you can follow me on instagram at tom underscore Sholey. And yeah, you can check out the Total Recall show on YouTube and uh, you can go to patreon.com and search Tom Sholey uh, to check out my Patreon. Very cool. And we'll be looking forward to the tease on free comic book day for Saturday in May, which this year is May 6th. And in September when it's released in all its glory, I am Stan. Stop no, you're ready. I get it right. No, you're Eddie. No, no. no. <laughs> 
Do I have to give you air quotes? Sure. I'll give you that more. Oh, oh how, if mm. I get it right, help me out. A graphic biography of the legendary Stanley. Yes, uh, I am Stan. We we are all Stan. You are Stan. <laughs> I am Spartacus. We are all Stan together. I thought you were going yes, for Last of the Walrus for a second. I'm like, <laughs> I, I can get this. Also, I just want to point out, by the way, when you were mentioning the date for the uh, free comic book day weekend, Eddie was pulling out mini calendars during it. I just, I could, I would be remiss if I didn't mention it. I was laughing the entire time just seeing him pull out a little calendar. <laughs> I'm like, you really have everything behind there, don't you? Yeah, make, make sure, you know, th think of your mom during free comic book day, you know, because that's, it's, it's always, it's, it always seems to be that weekend. That's a good reminder. And I think the perfect free, I think the perfect Mother's Day gift for 2024 is a copy of I Am Stan. Oh, definitely. I think five copies each. Yeah, five copies for, for each of your moms. <laughs> sure. Tom, a pleasure as always. For The Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Tom Scholey. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior. <laughs>